This is Robert Mardlachi, the MindShare Learning Report, and welcome to this week in Canadian EdTech Special Edition. I'm honored to have join me for a MindShare Learning Moment, award-winning educator and doctoral candidate Devin Caldwell on back-to-school tech integration planning in a pandemic world and what's working. Uh, she's a past winner of our Schools of the Future Challenge. She is a kindergarten resource teacher at Oak Lake uh, community school in Manitoba. She's pursuing her PhD in curriculum and education, early childhood at the University of Victoria. Uh, Devin is passionate about infusing tech-infused uh, pedagogy to foster collaboration, inclusion, innovation among students, teachers, and their local and global communities. Um, she's a Prime Minister Award winner. I can go on and on. Devin, thank you for joining me uh this afternoon thank you so much for having me today robert it'll be hey. so much fun to catch up well i hope you and your family are well and your students this past year uh challenging times for sure very much so but we've we're all doing well at this point uh you know i had the honor of connecting with dr mike ryan of the world health organization who we have on the podcast this wednesday and he talked about uh the next vaccine is uh, in a future pandemic is education and the importance of education because a lot of people died, not because specifically the, uh, of the pandemic, the virus, but it was everything else around it that they didn't do right. Mm -hmm. um, so information, knowledge and learning is, is never been more critical uh, in preparing for back to school. And you've been doing some really fascinating research around what's working in, in the elementary uh, panel. Yeah, I have. Um, I'm pursuing my PhD in curriculum and instruction, early childhood education. And I just am drawing my data collection to a close. Had my last interview the other day. Congratulations. I, you're inspiring me, by the way, because I've been thinking about a PhD, but everyone says you're crazy. Well, I'm, I'm not sure doing a PhD isn't crazy, but um, now that I've made it, now that I've made it this far, um, right. I'm, I'm really glad I've pursued it. But yeah, there's definitely been some Kudos to you. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So let's talk about um, your research and, and some of the data that you've collected, how it could impact in preparing for back to school, because, uh, you know, Technology uh, has gotten a bad rap this past year. It was crisis learning. It wasn't perfect. Some 50% of teachers had never really used it in a meaningful way when you mm -hmm. talk about tech-infused pedagogy. But there are things that do work. And we are recommending for back to essential ed tech tools for back to school, including this podcast. Well... I really have learned a lot this year. I didn't plan to collect data and conduct my doctoral research during a pandemic, but there was no other way around it. And I ended up studying four teachers in a mixed method multiple case study, two rural teachers from rural Manitoba, two urban teachers from Winnipeg. And it was, I followed them for a year and wow. had many interviews. Um, also, I had a number of teachers fill out an online survey. so. Um, at the beginning of the school year, of course, we went back to, I think it was like yellow to orange level. Manitoba is all about the different colors. Right. Um, so we were in-person learning. And then my 
um, urban teachers ended up having to move to remote learning in March of the school year. And actually, remote's not true. It was more of a hybrid model where they had the children of essential service workers in their classroom, and then maybe two-thirds of their class um, remote learning from home. So it was an extremely challenging time for them. But mm -hmm. both my teachers had prepared for that in advance and were ready to go with their online learning platforms, which made things, I think, go a little more smoothly for them. Fantastic. And how did the kids, most importantly, respond? Well, that's a tough one. Like, I've really found that the kids are so much more resilient and adaptable than we give them credit for. I think it's us I as think adults you're right on that, that note. Yes. That often really struggle with all of this. But I just know, like, in my own experience as a kindergarten teacher last year teaching remotely, kids just so miss those in-person connections with their teacher and their right. friends. Yeah. Now, you also embrace healthy, active living. I was playing around with the yoga block here to adjust mm -hmm. my computer height. And you actually have a yoga studio. How important is uh, physical activity uh, in nurturing uh, a well-being mindset? Um, it's absolutely critical. Um, but both movement and stillness are a huge part of of my daily wellness practices. I move my body every day, whether I'm teaching yoga, practicing yoga on my own, or hiking with my dogs. Um, I also have a daily meditation practice, or near wow. daily. Sure. And finding that stillness in meditation is really key to just like quiet the chatter, focus on what's important. And then of course, like a daily gratitude practice has been really key for me too. Like even when things have felt out of control and really challenging with the pandemic, right. to focus on what I do have and focus on what's going well has been really helpful for me too. Uh, it sounds like there's a book in the making here. I don't know. Have you <laughs> thought about it? That's like my, um, my, I guess I would call her my, my best friend and my partner, right. Leah Obag. Um, we have a education consulting um, business together called KG Education. And we are always like half joking, like, oh, yeah, that would be a good chapter in our book. So, yeah, I, I yeah. think there will be a book someday for sure. Just need well, to get I this mean, dissertation out of the way. Absolutely, which will be another document that will be published, no doubt. Yeah. Um, perhaps you can share some uh, nuggets of information on how teachers from a back-to-school perspective, you know, uh, what's working, what tools, you know, sometimes it's about the tools that mm -hmm. really it's about using the right tool at the right time, whether it's blogging, whether it's uh, assessment, whether it's storytelling, right? I mean, yeah. storytelling is rage. I was just listening to uh, a Twitter uh, podcast uh, on storytelling and there was huge participation on what, whatever they call Twitter. It's the competitor to, um, to uh what's the the latest craze right now on uh i'm on it it's the the TikTok? uh tick not TikTok. geez a clubhouse it's it's oh, a competitor yeah, to clubhouse yeah so I, i'm on clubhouse and there's an equivalent uh twitter clubhouse type of channel and i was amazed at the number of folks listening to storytelling because it it affects all aspects of life, right? It's not mm -hmm. just in school, but it's whether you're running your business or, you know, nurturing your kids or, um, you know, storytelling amongst friends. I mean, that's the way, 
you know, it, it be, all began before we had books, right? <laughs> and print. Well, mm -hmm. well, and one of my research participants, one of her primary uses of technology in her grade one and two classroom is storytelling. The kids develop Very their cool. stories through play, and then she helps them use technology to capture their stories and share them. And it's really incredible what she's done with that. So that's and, an exciting use of ed tech yeah. in the early years. Oh, absolutely. And and when I look at, you know, this year's uh, winner of the Schools of the Future Challenge, which incidentally was, you know, Melissa Burns from Louis Riel School Division and her mm -hmm. students were... Um, we're given agency to create a story around reimagining the school of the future. And they actually physically measured their existing school, Archwood Elementary, and redesigned it encompassing, you know, a well-being space, um, a, an outdoor circle, um, a garden, a daycare. Uh, you know, this was a total reimagining exercise. And the superintendent, uh, in the end, when when we announced the winners, he talked about how he was going to share their video with the architects. Because when you give kids agency and, and enable the creativity, they help you problem solve. And problem solving is a big part of the learning process and journey. Well, and problem solve in new and different ways often adults right. don't think about exactly and so so minecraft i would have never imagined that it would be used in this way it's another tool mm -hmm. is an example but you know we reconnected on twitter and talk to me about how important twitter's been in your journey uh, and growth mindset because you know that's how you connect and professional learning has been a big part of of uh, of that process yeah, Twitter is definitely my go-to um, for connecting with other educators and professional learning. And I mean, I don't go on Twitter every day. I generally go on right. Twitter quite purposefully um, for a right. specific reason. And you are on vacation. Um, yeah. I, I <laughs> so thank you for making the time. First of all, I have to thank you for that. Um, yeah. And as we were discussing earlier, I work at Brandon University in the Faculty of Education, and I have all of my students set up their own Twitter accounts, and then we use it for professional learning, sharing and connecting in our university classroom, whether that's in person or online. So I just find Twitter so valuable in connecting with other educators, sharing my own practice. Fascinating. Um, soliciting, you know, um, participants and help and opinions and that kind of thing. Talk to me about our next generation of teachers and and um, and what their mindsets are like. What you know, uh, and first of all, you know, I have to say they're so fortunate and blessed to have someone of your stature uh, as an adjunct professor because the knowledge that you bring, your passion for learning and innovation, and that growth mindset, right? That's embedded in your DNA. Like that, that's huge for them. They're so lucky. How do how are they responding to all this? Like it it's a tidal wave right now coming at them. And well, a great opportunity. I, and I enjoy working with them so much too. Like I find pre-service teachers just so energizing. And I learn as much from them as they learn from me. Um, I've also very much found 
that what is good practice in early years is also good practice at the university level. So I like I've I've always been a huge proponent of project-based and inquiry-based learning, and I take um, that pedagogical model to the university level so that my students experience that as learners, where right. they get to you know ask their important questions, connect, collaborate, um, have real authentic experiences. But then they also become well versed in that pedagogical model, so that I'm I'm hopeful that they will be able to apply that in their future classrooms. So I found students sometimes a little a little resistant just because it's not traditional and it's not what they're used to. But generally right. by the time they've experienced all the different ways we can use technology, um, the different ways that we can learn and share, um, I, I think I convert them for sure that it's something that they want to bring into their classroom practice. And well, it's exciting and to be able to affect change at that level. Absolutely. And, and it, the key is to paint a picture what the possibilities are and and you as a, a, a master teacher if you will um have the ability to really you know paint the picture and and inspire them to uh, in, in terms of project-based learning when i did my master's in that tech at pepperdine that every course was involved project-based learning and that's i found that's how i excelled that you know mm -hmm. it wasn't rote learning it, it i never performed so well in school and, you know, teaching old dog new tricks perhaps, but it, it's that, it's that challenge based learning that really ignites uh, the imagination, I think. Well, and when students are doing it for a real purpose, right? Um, it, it isn't just a textbook. It isn't just answering questions. Um, they're doing it to, to solve a real problem or get answers to right. questions. And, that they, and it's they that really real problem solving like the schools of the future challenge winners. And it reminds me of the conversation on storytelling this morning on Twitter. They were speaking with a, a professor, a psychologist who talked about the, uh, the chemical reaction in your mind, in your brain that is triggered when you're interested in a specific subject, like a, uh, uh, an idea. So mm -hmm. it really is highly sophisticated when it comes to engaging kids. Uh, it's, it's no longer sage on the stage any longer. There's that no. intrinsic and extrinsic motivation that comes into play. Well, and I think learners of all ages respond well to storytelling. Like I know mm. at the university level, if I like share a specific anecdote from my own teaching practice that kind of illustrates a point or a theory or something we're discussing, that's when they often appear most engaged and interested because I'm, I'm sharing something that happened in my own life. Absolutely. Now, optimally, you know, we can't dispute in-class learning, you know, augmented by you know, uh, the right tools at the right time. What's what's back to school looking like in Manitoba at the moment? Uh, hopefully the pandemic won't be such an issue as it's been in the past, fingers crossed. Well, right now at the K to 12 level, I believe we're returning to school at like the yellow caution level, right. which um, will mean in-person learning from K to 12, but there'll still be different safety measures in place. Right. Um, there's also some debate going on right now in Manitoba about masking, whether or not that will be like mandatory in all schools province-wide, or if it will be individual school right. decisions making those decisions. So, and truthfully, I shouldn't speak to it because I've been deliberately burying my head in the sand over all of this. Well, um, hopefully that's been beach sand. Uh, <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> For yeah. the summer. 
Um, and then at the university level, it is in-person learning for classes under 25 and mandatory mask wearing across the campus. And then they're also exploring um, mandatory vaccination policies too. Right. So, so yeah, two different settings, but I'm excited to be in person in both. Fantastic. Of them. Before we wrap up, talk to me about the growth mindset. And is that something that you can nurture? I'll tell you my experience was Mrs. Fogarty, my grade 12 English teacher, wrote in my yearbook at the end of the year, the only sign of life is growth. And she drew a little flower. And I read mm -hmm. that over a few times. I'm like, what is she trying to tell me? Is she worried about me? Does she think I'm going to fail if I don't embrace this? And that really germinated the growth mindset in me, believe it or not. Oh yeah, like a growth mindset is is vital to me. It's been something I've been familiar with, like the work of um, like Carol Dweck for quite some time. And I do incorporate it into the university courses I teach and with like my little people when I taught kindergarten. Um, for me, when it really came into play though, was pursuing my PhD. And I was surrounded by all of these people who I thought were so much smarter than me. And I just had like a raging case of imposter syndrome for sure. <laughs> but um, like the way I overcame that was through growth mindset, believing that, you know, even if I didn't understand this now, I would understand right. it in the future. And um, I don't know, there's, um, oh, what would I call her? I guess like a personal development life and business coach. Her name's Marie right. Morleo. And sure. her motto is everything is figure outable. And I mean, those were words Love I repeated it. to myself a lot, coupled with lots of visualization and, and manifestation about how to get from here to here. So growth mindset Brilliant. has been really, really critical Absolutely. for me. Absolutely. something and I work on all the time. And, and same here. And if you can imagine it, you can make it happen. That notion of, of the possibilities are, you know, really within yourself to let you, you know, uh, as uh, Dr. Dave Williams, a uh, uh, former astronaut, once said to a Canadian astronaut in an interview, it, he said, the sky is no longer the limit. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool. So with that, Devin Caldwell, thank you so much for your time today and your inspiration. I, I'm going to let you get back to your vacation. You came off vacation for this. So really grateful for that. Oh, it's been my pleasure to connect again. And let's make sure it's not so many years. Absolutely. Um, next time we talk. No, for sure. And I, I look forward to collaborating in the future. Devin Caldwell is uh, a kindergarten and resource teacher at Oak Lake Elementary. She's an adjunct professor at Brandon University pursuing her PhD and uh, so inspiring uh, and past winner of our Schools of the Future Challenge. Uh, with that, uh, thank you again, Devin. My name is Robert Merdlachi in the Mindshare Learning Report. Be sure to check out W Mindshare Learning to get your latest issue. And until next time, stay healthy, stay safe, and keep the learning curve steep.